All my life, been grinding all my life Sacrifice, hustle paid the price Want a slice, got the roll of dice That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life It's time to grind! Hello everyone and welcome to the Grounded Podcast. I'm your host Randall Tucker. That was Nipsey Hussle bringing us in with his song Grinding All My Life. Let's hit that rail we call life and let's grind it. In today's episode of Grind It, we start breaking down John chapter 4. And Psalm 51 is my absolute favorite passage or chapter in the Bible. I love the Old Testament. But that's when uh, David has sinned with Bathsheba and committed adultery. And God had called him out on it uh, through the uh, through the prophet, and so David is repenting and he is asking God to forgive him and to purge him with hyssop and and to uh, restore his joy. And he says, "I'll go and teach transgressors your way." That's my absolute favorite uh, chapter in the Bible. But today we're going to be looking at uh, starting to break down John chapter four, and man, this one runs really close as being a favorite of mine with, with Psalm 51. And I just absolutely love the story of Jesus walking on Samaritan soil and sitting in that well and talking to a Samaritan woman and how it just changed that whole village because he was willing to do this. I always, when, when I was preaching and I would uh, share this text, um, I like using uh, the King James Version of John chapter 4, verse 4, um, when it says, He must needs go through Samaria. That, that just That's just some awesome words there. He must, I mean, he's just simply saying that he's got to go through Samaria. But the way they word that, he must needs go through Samaria. It's just, it's just, it's just so cool. Um, but John 4, he starts off focusing on the Pharisees, and, and we talked uh, uh, quite a bit about the Pharisees. In John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, because Nicodemus was a Pharisee. They were the religious leaders who couldn't stand Jesus. Even though, remember, Nicodemus told Jesus, we know, we all know that, that you're from God because of the, the miracles that you do. And so the Pharisees knew that, that Jesus was from God. Um, and so... Now, John's going to point out that these Pharisees, they know that Jesus is baptizing more disciples than John. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, they didn't like John baptizing people, so they surely, they're, they're not going to like Jesus baptizing people at all. I mean, you, you got you, you to gotta remember, uh, they're the religious authority, or at least they thought they were. And here comes this man who's claiming to be uh, the Messiah, the Son of God. You got John the Baptist out there uh, pointing him out to people, saying, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." And you know these Pharisees, they they feel threatened, and so all these people they they notice. Remember in last uh, in the last chapter, we talked about John's disciples being a little jealous because uh, people wasn't coming to John anymore; they're all going to Jesus. And so the Pharisees take notice of this, and they're not going to like it. But in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, In those days John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching, and his message was, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then if you skip down to verse 7, 
It says, But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to watch him baptize, he denounced them. Now, this is John the Baptist. Now, when he saw these Pharisees, these religious leaders and the Sadducees, he denounced them. He said, You brood of snakes, he exclaimed. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, We're safe. For we are the descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. See, the the, the Jews especially, but the the Pharisees they and the Sadducees, all these religious leaders, they just thought since they were Abraham's seed, and 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 you know, and the Jews were God's chosen people of the Old Testament. I mean, that's a fact. They were the apple of God's eye, and they thought that since they were Jews. And especially since they're religious leaders, and I am a Pharisee, I am a very well educated, I know the Old Testament scriptures very well. They thought that, hey, they thought they were it. They thought they were God's favorite. And John's sitting here telling them, you better repent of your sins and turn to God. That, that's pretty strong language. Because John's telling them they're lost and they're, they don't have a relationship with God at all. And they think that they do just because they're religious and they're children of Abraham. And John says, even now the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. You know, it will cut you down. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. John is telling, and he's just laying into these Pharisees, man. And he's saying, you, you, you're not producing good fruit. I mean, you might be out there on the street corner saying uh, these long, repetitive prayers, and you may have people walking by saying, oh, listen to that beautiful prayer. And you know, you may be looking the part. But John, John Baptist says, you're not playing the part. You're not the part. And the axe is about to come down on your roots and chop you down. And then he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that, that I'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you. Watch this. He, Jonathan said, I'm baptizing with water to those people who have repented their sins. But then he's, he's, going, he's pointing them to Jesus. He's telling them about Jesus, the Messiah that's coming. And he says, he, the one that's coming, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winning fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn and burning the chaff with never-ending fire. In other words, John is saying, this guy that's coming, Jesus, the Messiah, he's a lot greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to be a slave of his and carry his sandals. This guy can baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He can put you into heaven. He can fill you with God's Spirit. Or he can, he can, he can baptize you with fire. He can put you in hell. If you choose not to follow him. And he says, your religious game, this is why he's telling the Pharisees, this religious game that you've been playing for a long time and you think you're safe just because you're a descendant of Abraham and, and you looked apart, oh, you're fixing to find out when he separates uh, the wheat and the tares. You're going to find out that your religious games just ain't good enough. Think about that. John is just laying into these Pharisees, man. And so these Pharisees, they get wind that, that, that Jesus is out there in the wilderness baptizing even more people than John did. I, I'm sure they, they, they get wind of these huge crowds that have begun to start flocking to Jesus. And, you know, and that's, of course, from when his ministry starts 
that's everywhere he goes, these huge crowds. And the Pharisees, they don't like it. And so what's going to happen is Jesus is going to end up leaving the area and, and, and going somewhere else for safety. And so to avoid trouble, Jesus is going to uh, leave Judea and he's going to return to Galilee. And here's where it gets really good. Because the shortest route from any place to any place is a straight line, right? And to go from Judea to Galilee, it would require a person to travel through Samaria. But the Jews hated the Samaritans. They considered them unclean. And, and, and there's a huge background story as a reason why. Um, back in the Old Testament, uh God used Israel's enemies to try to get them to listen, to pay attention, because the prophets had been warning them of their sin and their sinful ways. And so God uses the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, to come in and destroy Israel. And I believe you can find that story in, I believe it's 1 Chronicles 36. But in that passage, I mean, Jerusalem was just basically almost wiped off the map. They, they came in, tore the walls down, tore, destroyed the temple. What was left, they, uh, you know, of the gold and stuff they stole, they took it back with them, the utensils that they could, you know, that was worth money. Uh, but anything that was left, they burned. They killed men, women, children, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, anybody, everybody. And the people who did survive, there was a little remnant left. And they were carried back off into captivity. And when they were carried back into Babylon, this is a short version of this I'm trying to give you here. But when they were in Babylonian captivity, uh, the, the Jews started intermingling with uh, the Gentile people. And eventually they would marry and have children. Therefore, you have the Samaritans. That's a basic story of how the Samaritans came uh, it's also the time when the synagogues started. And you see all the time through the New Testament how they went to synagogues to worship. And that's when, because the, they had lost their, their temple, they had lost their place of worship. So they came up with a, a new model of the synagogue during that time as well. But the Samaritans were a mixed race of Jew and Gentile. And since the Jews thought they were it, and because they were uh, seeds of Abraham, they were children of Abraham, or descendants of Abraham, they hated the Samaritans. They could not stand them. In fact, they would walk miles and miles out of their way just to not to touch Samaritan soil. There was no way they were going to walk into Samaria. They would go east of the Jordan River and travel around Samaria because if they, they considered themselves unclean if they even touched Samaritan soil. That's how much they hate. You talking about racism. I mean, that, that's a true picture of racism right there. And John says in verse 4 that Jesus, he must needs go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. And this is so awesome because Jesus was a Jew. And he's breaking a lot of rules here. Uh, or man-made rules, I guess you, you could say. And it... It would blow the minds of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and these religious people who were supposed to be pointing the way to God. But here's God in the flesh, and John says he's got to go through Samaria. 
Why? Why did Jesus have to go to Samaria? Because he had a, di- a divine appointment with a chick who had been married five times. And, and when at the time that she's going to have this conversation with Jesus, she's living with a guy. It's not her husband. And Jesus, being full of grace and mercy, was about to use this lady who was considered an outcast in her society, in her village. He's about to use this woman to share the message of salvation to the Samaritans, especially in Sychar, her village. Jesus and his disciples, they traveled through Samaria, headed to Galilee, and they get tired from their journey. And as they come to a village called Sychar, Jesus sends his disciples to town to get some food. And he goes and he sits by a well. But this is no ordinary well. If, when you're reading the Old Testament, you will hear God say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, this well that Jesus is going to sit by to talk to the Samaritan woman, it's, it's the well that Jacob dug. And you can Google pictures of it. It's still with us today. And so Jesus is sitting by the well alone. It's noon. It's the heat of the day when a Samaritan lady comes to the well to draw some water. Let's take a break, and we'll pick up with that in just a minute. There's not a whole lot on my body that's not skedak. Just toast. Dink, dank, skedak, biff, banked. You name it, it's on. So here's Jesus. He sent his disciples off. He's all alone, and he's he's tired, he's hot, and he's thirsty. And here is a well full of water, and Jesus doesn't have anything to draw water with. The, the lady's actually going to point that out here, and, and it's very significant, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But he's hot, and he's sitting there, and along comes this lady all by herself, the Samaritan woman, and she's coming to the well to draw some water. Any preacher will tell you that it, this is not a good scenario for Jesus to be in. A Christian man does not want to be found alone with any woman simply because one rumor can bring his ministry to the ground. And when we see it happen all the time, uh, any preacher, any elder, any deacon, anybody in leadership in a church will tell you this is a very dangerous scenario. And why is this woman even coming to the well in the heat of the day at noon instead of coming when all the other women from the village come out to get water from the well in the morning when it's cool? More than likely, there, there's something... It, it, I guess when Jesus talks about her uh, being married five different times and living with a man, somewhere in that, this this village has decided that she's an outcast. And they have shunned this lady. And evidently, nobody wants to be around her. And uh, so she has to come out at noon when nobody's at the well because she's the outcast. And so she's coming to the well to get some water. And when she shows up to the well to draw the water, Jesus asks her for a drink, which sounds pretty normal, right? Wrong! Because she is a Samaritan woman, and Jesus is a Jew. Jews, as I said a while ago, they don't even walk on Samaritan soil, and they most certainly would not ask a Samaritan woman for a drink, or a Samaritan man even. 
They would not have any dealings with a Samaritan. And listen to what she tells Jesus in John chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. The woman was surprised. Well, I'm sure she was. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you even asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Think about this, folks. This woman is having a conversation with God in the flesh, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And all he has done is ask for a drink of water. And she has absolutely no idea who Jesus is. As far as she knows, he's just some weird Jewish man because here he is in Samaria. I'm sure she wanted to say, are you lost, dude? Why, why are you even here? Why are you even talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Why are you asking me for a drink? But did you catch what she says to Jesus? But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Jesus didn't have a cup. He didn't have a glass. He didn't have a jar. He didn't have a bucket. He didn't have anything. He had nothing to draw water with from the well. And he was going to drink. Now get this. This is very important. Jesus asked this woman for a drink of water. She had the water pot. He was going to... This Jew named Jesus has walked on Samaritan soil, which breaks all traditions and religious rules, man-made. And he's broke another one because he's sitting here talking to a Samaritan woman. It's blowing her mind that she's sitting here talking to a Jewish man. And this Jewish man has asked for a drink of water. And he is going to drink from her very own water pot. That shows you the grace of God, the mercy of God. That is so awesome. Can you imagine? Because the, the chapter started out by talking about the Pharisees. Can you imagine this Pharisee that's supposed to be pointing the way to God, showing people God? Can you imagine a Pharisee being in this situation? Absolutely not, because they would never, ever put themselves in this situation. They won't even step foot on the soil to be anywhere near that well. Or that woman. Jesus was always doing something outside of the box. He was always challenging the way the people thought. From touching lepers to eating in sinners' homes, he challenged the way the religious people did things. Here, and that's why they had so much trouble with Jesus. His whole his three years of ministry. They, you know, they call him a glutton and a wine bibber, a wine drinker. They, they just could not fathom God being like this, or the Messiah being like this. They just had the wrong conception in their brains about what the Messiah would be like. And Jesus was born in a manger. They thought his mom, they even called her an adulterer. Um, because they, you know, they thought that she had slept with somebody, 
and had Jesus out of wedlock. And Jesus looked like an ordinary, average Jewish man. He didn't do anything to stand out. And they were thinking that the Messiah was going to be this great leader and he was going to bring them out of the, uh, deliver them from the Roman uh, oppression. And Jesus didn't do that. He said, my kingdom's not of this world. It's a different kind of kingdom. And they just could not understand that. And a, a Pharisee would never be in this situation. And here is God in the flesh talking to a woman who everyone else has rejected. A woman who felt shame. So she had to come to the, to the well at midday to get water. So no one else would be around her. And God himself is going to drink from her very own water pot. Let me ask you a question. Which side do you find yourself on? Do you grumble and complain when you see something that doesn't compute in your religious brain? Or do you go with it? I mean, I, I can tell you countless stories from where I've been in the ministry and preaching and just had stuff that just... I did stuff that just blew people's minds and they, they and they said stuff to me that was just typically it just blew my mind. Uh I got in trouble one time because uh I was doing uh, I was leading communion and I broke the bread and passed it out to the the to the men so they can take it out to the congregation and then I prayed. Well, the lady that made this bread for our communion I see her come from the back of the church after the, I got through with the sermon one day. It's during the invitation. And I thought, well, she's, she's going to come up here and tell me, you know, something that ministered to her in the sermon or something. But, boy, that wasn't what it was about at all. And she got up to me. She was hot. And she let me know real fast that she was hot because she says that Jesus prayed first, then he broke the bread. But, see, I did it backwards. I broke the bread, then I prayed. So... I had to apologize for that, but ever since that moment, I never did another communion service. I never let another one. I was a part of them, but I never let another one. Um, we were told pagan at a church that I worked with because uh, my my boys were so young at the time. They were like one and three, and uh, the church that hired me, it was uh, about two weeks before Christmas, so we put up our Christmas tree for the boys and come to find out there were people at this church who uh, didn't believe in having Christmas trees. And they let us know it. And when you first arrive at a church, at a new, in a new church, and work with them, uh, they, a lot of times they'll they have what they call a pounding. And they'll bring you food and stuff like that. Because they know you're trying to get settled in a new place. And this lady had brought us uh, some food over to the house. And she saw our Christmas tree. And she looks at my wife, and she just flat out told my wife that we were pagan because we had a Christmas tree. And my wife was just puzzled, and she says, what are you talking about? We're not pagan? And she says, yeah, you're pagan because you have a Christmas tree. Because when people put presents under the Christmas tree, they're bowing to the Christmas tree, which is worshiping the Christmas tree. I mean, the things people come up with, it, it, it just, it just it'll floor you. Jesus did so many things to challenge the religious people of his day. But what Jesus was doing 
was extending grace and mercy to people. That was something that the Pharisees and Sadducees were supposed to be doing, and they wasn't they they wasn't doing it. And that's why Jesus rakes them over the coals in Matthew 23. And when he's saying, Woe to you scribes and you Pharisees, and he just blasts them guys because they were not showing grace and mercy. They were not pointing people to God. Matter of fact, Jesus says that they were making them, he said, every time you convert somebody, you're converting them to hell. Their hearts were not right, even though they thought they were close to God just because they were children of Abraham. They weren't. And here's Jesus sitting at this well, having a conversation with a Samaritan woman who is an outcast in her village, her society, and he is extending to her grace and mercy. And it all starts with him asking for a drink of water. And Jesus' response to her is, because she starts making these excuses, and his response to her is, if you only knew the gift of, the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would be asking me, and I would be giving you living water. In John chapter 7, Jesus is at the Festival of Shelters, and down around verse 37, it says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, this is, what, this is John talking here, not me. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be, giving, be given to everyone believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Here's Jesus offering this woman living water. And he was telling her that she could be filled with God's Holy Spirit. And that someday her sins would be forgiven. And that someday that she would be able to enter into the presence of God and not be eternally separated from him. And that's why Jesus says, look, lady, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking me for a drink. And I could be giving you living water. I could be filling you with the Holy Spirit, and you would never thirst again. But she had no idea who she was talking to, and she had no idea what Jesus meant by living water. There's so many people that sit in our church buildings today who just sit there and soak up the preaching and the singing and they they they're like the pharisees they have an outward appearance of a religion but they don't have a relationship with jesus we're going to see in just on the next podcast and uh that this lady even says that they know that the messiah is coming and when he comes he will explain everything well she's sitting here having a conversation with the messiah that she's been looking for she is ha- having a conversation with Jesus, God's very own Son, God in the flesh, and she doesn't even recognize him. She has no idea who he is. To her, he's just some Jewish man who's walked on Samaritan soil. Maybe he's lost or whatever, and he needs a drink because he's tired and he's thirsty. And by the way, she never does give him the drink, and we'll see that later on. 
But my point is, there's people who are sitting in our churches today who just play church. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. They're, they, they're, they're not, they don't have that living water. Because it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. I mean, think about this. We hold in our hands, whether we use it on our phones or whether we use a leather back binding book called the Bible, God's very own love letter to us. And it's the number one selling book. People have multitude of copies in their house, and yet they have no idea what it says. No idea because they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And with Jesus asking this lady for a drink of water, what he was asking her was, do you want to have a relationship with me? Because I can fill you with living water. I can get you into heaven because I am the Messiah. He's going to reveal all this to her in just a little bit. But we in America, we're spoiled rotten. We know who Jesus is. We've heard about him all of our lives. But yet, for some reason, we refuse to have a relationship with him. Hey, he's offering you living water today. Why not take a drink from his well and have a relationship with him? We'll pick back up at the next podcast with Jesus talking to this woman at the well. God bless you. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Grind It Podcast today. You can send any questions or comments to grinditpodcast at gmail.com. Please join us next time. And when a challenge comes your way, just my, grind it. Been grinding all my life. Sacrifice. Hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life. I've been grinding all my life. Look. All my life.